On Saturday night, the anticipation was high for the Pitt Panthers team as they emerged from the tunnel, hoping to defeat the Coastal Division favorite, Virginia, in an ACC opener. But all that came crashing down as the Panthers could not get much going offensively as Virginia won 30-14 in the first game of the season. We take a look at what transpired in the Panthers' loss and look ahead to this week's opponent, a tough MAC team in Ohio. That and more on this week's Hail to Pit podcast. about finishing it in these final 30 minutes? Well, you know, it happened in, it happened in West Virginia where we knocked off number two. It happened in South Carolina, and it's happened in Pittsburgh today. Our guys had a lot of guts tonight. We're just going to keep getting better. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. There's one health game that you will never, ever forget. We shocked the world! Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. This is the week of September 7th. This is the Hail to Pit Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Pam. Pitt didn't get it done in their opener against ACC opponent Virginia. 30-14 to 14 loss leaves a lot to be worked on, a lot to be desired, and it raises so, so many questions. And we're going to talk it all out just a bit. And then we're going to move on and focus on Mac opponent Ohio, who comes to Heinz Field bright and early on Saturday morning. As tough as that is, we must move forward. But let's face it, Pam, they're still talking all about that performance on Saturday, whether it's on social media, on the on the boards, on the forums, or even in my case, I heard them talking about it in the cathedral halls before class. Everybody's still talking about the Virginia game, and they can do so still at H2P Show on social media. But Pam, why won't they just move on? It was week one. Oh, because the expectations were sky high. Everyone wanted to come out and see a different Panthers team, and they were left with the same old pit so far. So I think that leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Let us know what you think on the social networks. Yes, at H2P Show. And, you know, actually, I know we're going to do what the Yinzers are saying later on, Vince, but I was in class earlier today in the cathedral. I did hear a chatter behind me saying, yeah, I thought they were going to have a good year. It's all over. <laughs> after, yeah. week, after week one, anyone talking like that needs to stop. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, yeah, students are quite yinzers. And, uh, yeah, you know, students, yeah, they got they got other things to do. You know, go play Fortnite or, or something like that. Um, that. So they, I could see how they're, you know, rather let down. Uh, you were rather let down after the game uh, for 24 hours, but I, I'm back up and I'm ready to get better uh, this coming week. There's a lot of work to do, and I, I think we're going to do it. So you can uh, complain about the season being over at H2P show, like we said, or you could give us a eternal optimism, which is what I prefer at H2P yeah. show. That's on Twitter and that's on Instagram. And here's a quick reminder that we are. Brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. If you want to start a podcast where you say really negative things about your favorite sport or sporting team, go to prettyeasypodcast.com and uh, sign up today. Get your podcast going with your own personal 
producer who will help you get the technical stuff done so you could focus on being a negative Nancy or maybe doing a fresh take on sports talk where you speak eloquently and positively, which is what we kind of do and which is what we're going to do as we recap the Virginia game. But there was some stuff that wasn't so great as we get into this UVA game, and that was mainly on the offensive side of the ball. Let's hear what Pat Narduzzi said about the Virginia touchdowns, and then we will go from there as we pick apart the Virginia loss. I mean, their three touchdown drives were 19 yards. They scored three touchdowns. 19 yards, 27 yards, 29 yards. That's their touchdown drives. Um, you know, we'd love to have that field position, but we weren't afford our two touchdown drives are 85-plus. And, uh, you know, so when you look at, you know, keeping a drive going. So, again, I want to say that's a gift. I give them credit. But that's kind of what it, what it was. So moving from there, Pam, this was a Virginia team that was afforded a short field a few times for touchdowns. As we break the game down, does all of this – and we place the blame. Does it all go on the offense? Does some go on the defense? Narduzzi was upset also in the press conference following the game that they didn't hold him to field goals. But I, I'd i have to say the majority falls on that offense. Obviously a special teams blunder, and there's a lot to pick apart when it comes to Kenny Pickett and that crew. I don't know if we have it here in front of us, but I would like to see the time of possession in that game um, because I just felt like Virginia had the ball every single time. So I definitely think it was the offense. And I – most of the game, I wasn't too upset with how the defense was playing. I thought they did well. Hamlin once or twice, especially in the first quarter, I felt like was out of position. But after that, the whole defense seemed to really settle down. And considering they were on the field, it seemed like constantly after lots of three and outs, I think they did a good job. I You can't expect a good team in Virginia to be constantly held to field goals. They did that early on. Time of possession was 34 and change to 25-44 UV in favor of UVA. Sorry, Vince. Oh, that's not as bad as I felt well, sitting there still, at the game. Still not good. No, um, but... It, you know, I, I that stat that the coach laid out there on the touchdown drives, you know, I didn't quite notice it, you know, during the game. But afterwards, when I was looking at the statistics, I, I noticed it, and that was a huge thing. And, you know, I, uh, yeah, mostly the offense, I would say, but at the same time, he is right. You know, even if the defenses put their backs against the wall, they got to hold them to three instead of seven. No, I they did that so many times early on in the game. The offense, the defense was on the field so much longer and the offense needs, no, the offense needs to hold to at least convert a few drives, flip that field position and make it easier. What's the defense supposed to give up? No yards. They're in field goal range or shortly thereafter. And coaches also say you're not allowed to gain another yard. Yeah. Being realistic here, Pitt's defense was way better than they were bad. You know, they they, they had a few yeah. blunders. Dane Jackson, some pass interference, couldn't get his head wrapped around to look at the ball. Uh, Hamlin got caught, uh, and, and he got outworked for a ball deep. But uh, other than that, a very average performance by Virginia, who a good offense, you know, a good quarterback would have had a lot more than 181 yards. And, and they also, think I think, held Bryce Perkins in check, who – who had less than two and a half yards of carry. Okay. He did not run in for a score on them. He didn't turn the ball over 
though. That that was the the only issue you could pick apart from the defense. When you're given a short field, the way Pitt's defense was, the, all blame and all focus needs to go offensively. The growing pains with Mark Whipple. Now we have to talk about what we saw out of them, which were a lot of drops. I think a lot of Kenny Pickett being unsure of himself just looked like an uncomfortable, not confident quarterback. And that was the the biggest detriment to the entire team for the game. That special teams, that block was horrible and and really set Pitt back. I mean, you think of early on, Pitt could have gotten out to a little bit bigger lead at the half if it weren't for that. But but really, Kenny Pickett's lack of confidence ultimately. You don't want to be lazy and blame the quarterback, but if everyone's playing off of him, he made some plays with his legs, but he doesn't have the confidence yet. That was a total growing pains type game, Vince. That was a game where Pitt went out there and they had to kind of work through some stuff. Hopefully it's all over with because they've got an Ohio team that can beat them on their field early morning Saturday. Kenny Pickett, to me, just did not look confident. That was the number one reason why Pitt didn't get it done against UVA. That's that's it. That's an interesting take there, and I'm I'm not going to say it was all him, uh, and I'm not going to just pin it on him. Pam, I'd like to get your opinion on this. We've laid out a lot of things here. Um, is this just literally poor execution, and spe- maybe specifically poor execution by Pickett, or was there also some bad game planning here? Because I kind of think it's a little bit of both. I think it was both, and I think Pickett, that second quarter, he looked pretty good. I thought he felt confident. I thought he looked good in the second quarter, but if you get outplayed in three other quarters, it doesn't matter. But I think they came out, what did they throw on six straight positions? uh, yeah, the six uh, straight plays yeah, from six, scrimmage yep. were, were all passed. The first series and the second series. So I think they came out. I think this goes back to poor game plan. And they came out and they said, ha, everyone thinks we're going to run. We're going to show them we can pass and screw it. And <laughs> we are going to just pass, 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 even if the run was there. And I can just I think. To call a timeout, that was the first six plays. Pitt ran the ball, you know, when. when and ran pretty effectively once they got in a rhythm, but they wanted to get Kenny Pickett going. Obviously, that was part of the plan. And don't you think that was important? Don't you think Kenny Pickett had the opportunities? I felt like Mark Whipple put him in situations to succeed. And we're talking about major drops and major missed throws by Pickett, who I don't think trusts either himself or his receivers, putting way too much mustard on these balls, overthrowing everybody. And then forcing some balls, I feel like game plan wise, he was put in a position to win. He just didn't get it done. Receivers didn't get it done. Tight ends didn't get it done. I disagree. I think early on, I think in either the first series or the second series, mix in a run there to give him some confidence and like take the pressure off of him for one one play. That's like one or two plays just to take that pressure off of him. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Alan. Yeah, the opportunities were there. Uh, no doubt about that. So you can't say that there were bad plays designed. Uh, but but two things I will say. You know, we talked all last week how, you know, the previous year we ran all over this team and we felt like we could run all over them again. But you look at the imbalance uh, of passing to running. You know, 41 pass attempts, uh, 18 straight runs, and then 12 times Pickett had to run himself on, on pass plays. That's a huge imbalance there. Uh, that, that's that's just getting away from it. And you think that you'd be able to just, you know, run the ball, be a little bit more balanced when it, it could have worked. 
And, and I think that that, you know, the game was never really out of reach. And so th- I think they abandoned the run or, or didn't have it enough in their game plan from the start. And the second thing I'll say was, um, and this was specifically evident in the second half to me, was that Virginia is running this 3-4 scheme. They got guys blitzing from all different directions, and it seemed like they blitzed a whole whole lot more in the second half than the first half. And either we could not pick up the blitz or there was no hot read available or something that we could just not handle that. I and okay, I, lots to say on this topic here. The 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 second half pressure on Kenny Pickett is what you're getting into here. Before yeah. before uh, we all we all give our take on it. Pat Narduzzi spoke of it. Let, Pam, coming out of this, let me know what you think Narduzzi's saying about the pressure that that Pickett was under and his performance in the second half. That's what quarterbacks do. They take hits and and uh, and they get back up. And Kenny's a tough dude, and we don't want him to get hit like he did. So. Uh, you know, the big thing is protected. Big thing is, you know, half those hits, the ball should already be gone, and we shouldn't have that problem. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't see it as frazzled. I just see it's still a guy that's you know maturing as he as he gets into this new offense and and learning from what you know he needs to do. I think Coach was talking there about how Pickett's got to get rid of the ball quicker, and I'm not denying that whatsoever. He's got to read it and get rid of it very, very quickly. This is what we saw all last year. The little bit he gets pressured, he, like, rolls out and, like, either gets sacked or takes a big loss or makes a really, really costly play play the second that pressure is there as opposed to just finding a short read right there. I'm not quite sure what coach was saying there. How how could the game plan be, you know, we're going to allow these free rushers and just hope we could get rid of the ball They quickly. weren't free. They uh, weren't free. <laughs> these were these sacks, were, more than half of them, as Narduzzi said there, were on Pickett, who had either bad feel in the pocket or d- mm-hmm. didn't trust didn't trust his right. running back stepping up and take – I mean, you had A.J. Davis and Sibley stepping up, taking on blitzers – and Kenny Pickett ran right into them. He stepped in right into them. He did not feel for the. He didn't have a feel for the pocket. He either stepped up when he shouldn't have, or he scrambled when he shouldn't have. And that was a lack of trust, I think, in what was in front and of. I, and I think that's the most dis, um, disturbing or disconcerting thing here is we saw that all last year with Pickett. When the pressure is there, he he gets frazzled or you know, or he gets hit. And I think everyone wants to see improvement in that area. And there, there was none. It was the same thing. And I just, you think know, that's not the quarterback you, he is. I don't think he is a quarterback who is going to step up, feel pressure and know what to do with the ball. Uh, he needs yeah, to be, put then what in, do you do? You need to have him throw the best routes. And he was thrown were the quick crosses, the wheel route to yep. AJ Davis. You need to get the ball designed to get the ball out of Pickett's hands real quick. He should only be throwing deep after one game. If you're Whipple, uh, you're, I think if you're Whipple, you went out in that game week one thinking, okay, I'm going to trust Pickett, let him throw a lot over 40 times. Moving forward, I don't expect that to be happening a whole lot more, Vince, but also I expect Whipple to be only letting Kenny Pickett look downfield when he knows he's going to have time, when it's a design, maybe a, a bootleg or a play action with extra uh, blockers. Kenny Pickett's going to be protected. Kenny Pickett is effective when he throws the ball quickly or when the play breaks down. Uh, stepping up in the pocket, I don't know if they can trust him to do that. The re- you know that's just not the quarterback he is. Well, you, you can't play the game within fifteen yards of the line of scrimmage. 
uh, that, that's just not going to work. You you got to be you got to be able to stretch the field somehow. Uh, and yeah, how can you be practicing all summer long and not know that he can he can't hit these throws? I, I, that's what I don't get. You know, I mean, the, the guys were open. You know, if he couldn't hit this stuff in, in practice, then you know how. Uh, why, why would they even call this in a game? This is the the offense that they're going out there. You've got a you've the first game with Pickett and Whipple. I mean, this is the first game. You have to tra- trial by by fire, and it's trial and error as well. You got to go out there and see what you could do in a real game. Practice is nothing compared to a real game. Narduzzi even said it. They asked him before the game, "What do you think uh, about Pickett under the new offense?" He said, "I don't know. We got to wait till he's out there under the lights." You went out there, you saw him under the lights. He was twenty-one of forty-one. He overthrew a lot of guys. He threw some really bad interceptions. He forced one to Tazir Mack after Mack dropped the ball, so you could totally tell he was trying to get him another shot at it at redemption. So his head's not in the right space there. The lack of confidence in his blockers in front of him. There's a lot of issues with Kenny Pickett, but what are you going to do other than go out there and let him work through them, Vince? Uh, otherwise, you're just going to start already in week two making changes at QB? I don't think that's an option yet. Yeah, that that seems like a very you know, a very risky proposition here. Uh, let me ask you this. You know, we, we all said last week we wanted to see some aggressiveness, right? Uh, that's what we wanted to see, and we did that. It didn't quite work out. Obviously, uh, do you feel like you know, this was a situation where you know you're changing so much on offense that maybe the game plan should have been altered a little bit uh, to be a little bit more conservative in hindsight because you change so much, you're going up against a good opponent, and you didn't have a a warm up game against uh, a one double A team where you could really work out that kind of stuff. Do you think this game would have been much different if it was played in the middle of the season? I think it would have been different in the middle of the season, but I mean, Pam, going back to it, we talked about the situations were there for Pitt to succeed. It was not Virginia, you know, forcing Pitt into error. It was Pitt shooting themselves in the foot a whole lot in this game. You hate to, uh, you know, not give the team all the credit, but really that's what we saw there, wasn't it? Pitt did not execute. Overthrows on wide open guys, drop passes left and right. Those little plays get made. Doesn't, isn't the game way different in week one? I don't think we need to be talking about midseason. Pitt Pitt was put in a position to win. They didn't do it. Yeah. And, Shifting gears from the quarterback just slightly, another area of the game plan I did not like was the running backs. It just felt like they were thrown in, taken out, thrown in, taken out with Davis and Sibley. And I would have liked to seen one guy really get get some rhythm a little bit more than what they they how they were used. They were just like used very sporadically. Um, one would come in, one would come out, one would come in. It just and it wasn't like one got a really long run and they yeah. needed a rest. It just I felt like they couldn't get a rhythm going. The running backs. We only had eighteen carries by by running backs, so. How, how can you can't get in a rhythm when that's the case? I just you, you I just didn't like the breakdown on how they would how they were used. I, I just felt like it was very sporadic. I don't. I think you were getting off the point here because the, if these the game plan was there, these passes were dropped. Yeah, these wide that, open receivers were missed. That is not on coaching or game all, plan. That, that is, is on the quarterback and his wide receivers not executing. 
So I don't know. I, don't I was think disappointed we need to talk. in Mac big yeah. time this game. He's supposed to be one of well, the leaders. Well, let, let me pose this question. If early in the game you're seeing that you're not hitting these throws, should you say, okay, maybe we should run it more and, and yeah. not get behind a, a, as much as we were? And control the tempo a little bit, control the time of possession. Another thing they did not do, which I would have liked to see them, is get the ball to French in some space a little bit. Yeah, not enough touches by him. I mean, yeah, and and missed opportunities with Valique Carter as well. I I think you saw uh, glimpses at what Pitt can be in the second quarter. Uh, You saw that Pitt, uh, you know, if they execute well, I think the, the play calling with a lot of crosses and a lot of short uh, developing uh, pe- routes for Kenny Pickett. Uh, if if they can execute those, they're there. Uh, you saw that Kenny Pickett could open plays up with his legs. You saw that Kenny Pickett's not far off from being accurate deep, and that's what I said last week. <laughs> I, you got to see Kenny Pickett accurate deep, not that much, just a couple of times. And boy, oh boy, were they close. And the receivers, as, as, if your receivers are getting open, you got you got 11 more games to start hitting them. <laughs> that's a, that's what you got to look at this at as offensively. I mean, we didn't talk a whole lot of defense because I think overall we got to be pretty hyped for the defense. And, Pam, I think uh, you know a couple weeks ago, Pat Bostic hit the nail on the head. D-line looked beastly. D-line looked oh, great. They were, they were excellent, and they were just funneling guys in and out, and they were getting some great pressure. At one or two drives, Perkins was able to extend with his legs, but not – other than that, it was very minimal. And for a dy- dynamic runner like Perkins, they did an excellent job containing. We talked about this D-line in the past two or three years and how it was a weak spot at Pitt because they couldn't get any pressure. Um, they were there. They really allowed the guys on the back end to get some pressure. And the linebacking core, everyone seemed to do well. Just a few breakdowns in the secondary. But other than that, I was very impressed. Yeah, I, it was it was a good enough performance to win. That that's for sure. Yeah, they may let Perkins run a little bit more than we would like to see, and that, and that's tough going up against a, a a very good runner at that position. It kind of throws your your awareness on deep line off kilter a little bit. But I like you said, I thought they played played very good, good enough to win. I'm excited to see them more. That may be one of the more you know trickier offenses they're going to have to go against this entire season. Yeah, and really, I thought they bottled Perkins up for for as much as he could go off. I mean, he had one really long run, a twenty-seven yeah, yarder. Yeah, yeah, and and other than that, he had a couple short, you know, play breaks down, dive for a first down here, and, and you know that he did, he wasn't killing him. It wasn't like, oh my god, this guy is just so much better than anybody on Pitt's defense. How are they going to? No, they contained him pretty well, and a lot of young guys stepped up. <laughs> Hail to Pitt, everybody. It's Alan. Quick show edit, inserting this after we completed the episode on Tuesday. Obviously, big news. Had to make sure this made the episode. Keyshawn Camp, the defensive tackle, out for the season. Absolutely devastating injury, especially considering the Rashad Weaver injury, especially considering, well, you're about to hear us gloat about how great Keyshawn Camp was. Uh, I mean, he graded out well. He looked good against Virginia. But unfortunately, the defensive tackle 
is uh, going to be out with a knee injury all season long. So Pitt suffers another devastating injury on the defensive line. The rest of the episode, we don't dive too far into how good Keyshawn Camp looked. We talk a little bit about it right here. Uh, but uh, Pitt's defensive line looked great. They lose one of the better-looking players from week one. And honestly, uh, from what I saw, I, I think Pitt has the dudes defensively. And uh, you'll hear us talk a little bit about how good they looked. But uh, just adding this in after the announcement here into the episode, uh, which we did record Tuesday, uh, might have to redo our schedule if more Pitt Panthers are going to be dropping this way. Hopefully not anymore, but Keyshawn Camp totally sucks the young man out for the season with a knee injury. Hail to Pitt, Keyshawn Camp. If you, lo- if you love pro football focus, Keyshawn Camp was just w- the, one of the most efficient f- college football players in the country. In just 19 snaps, six pressures on a speedster like Bryce Perkins from the middle of the defensive line. You gotta like that moving forward for Pitt's, uh, for Pitt's defense. Uh, and you know, a couple of blunders here and there in the secondary, but this is football in 2019. I don't get too mad about pass interferences <laughs> and, uh, players getting handcuffed when the ball's yeah. up in the air defensively. Um, so moving forward, Pitt's defense, I think, is going to be a, a big advantage against an Ohio team that comes in as a MAC favorite, put up, put up over forty points in their Week One outing against Rhode Island. Uh, Pam, we're talking about a team that returns a lot of starters and has a coach that's trying to ride off into the sunset. And Frank Solich, who you know is probably a lot of people saying going to retire. I believe I don't know if he announced it or what, but he's he's probably done after the season and Ohio's looking to get their first MAC title under him and uh they've got effective players, especially a quarterback, a guy who can throw the ball and run the ball effectively just like Bryce Perkins. Yeah, it's going to be another test for this Pittsburgh defense uh to see if Last week was a fluke on how well they played, but or if it uh, if they can continue it on another uh, dual threat kid named uh, QB Nate Bork. He ran a lot last year, um, 134 rushing attempts, 15 TDs, and against Rhode Island this past week, he led the team in rushing. So um, definitely someone to keep an eye on with the legs as well as the arms too. So that D line's got to contain and get pressure, and the those linebacker cores got to contain him there too. Zone reads, be be disciplined on defense this week, and then for Pitt's offense, Vince. Uh, going up against the Bobcats, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to actually extend drives and avoid those three and outs. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets cleaned up real quick against this defense. Yeah, uh, Ohio, not the best defense here. Uh, Last year, a horrible uh, third down D percentage, uh, giving up conversions 44% of the time. Uh, they're, They're a secondary team. Uh, led by the uh, team, led by their secondary, uh, not the biggest defensive line. They don't even have a guy over 300 pounds, and so that tells me right there we should be able to run on them, you know, very effectively. Uh, so that the backbone of the offense there, the running game should be there. Uh, um, it just seems like you know the opportunities will be there to to hit those uh, passes again like you were talking about, Alan, but they got to do it this time. Yeah, I expect a lot more balance uh, in terms of the game plan this week because I feel like Whipple went out there really trying to let Pickett loose. He he saw some things there 
against Virginia with with coverage, I think, downfield that that they, they went for it last week. This week though, I don't I don't anticipate that going down. I, I anticipate a lot of Davis and Sibley and Valik Carter and, and the running attack this week, Pam. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, I definitely see a lot of Davis and and Sibley out there, and I really want to see them pound it to open up those quick play action passes um, as well. I'd like to see even just some quick passes to Davis and Sibley on wheel routes and quick passes to French. Let's see if we can uh, work on those more quick passes because that's something obviously this team is going to have to do well to succeed. Yeah, this is going to be uh, an opportunity for Kenny Pickett to be efficient, I think, should be his goal this week, Vince. Be efficient with the football. Uh, don't don't waste downs, and definitely don't take unnecessary sacks, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, way too many of those uh, last week that, that really killed some drives late in that game. We just can't have that. And there shouldn't they shouldn't be getting in a third long – situation that much if they could run the ball effectively and should they didn't shouldn't have to have those deep routes needed to be developed very often so we should uh, hopefully we won't even see that type of scenario come up yeah um i was worried about those drops too receivers also have a lot to work on this week lots to be corrected the the, the game is early though which also is you know <laughs> You're talking about a team that is – it's a Mac opponent, respect them, but a, a not a Power 5 team, but at 11 a.m., that's what they would say is a quintessential trap game. But, uh, you know, Pitt's a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Ohio. Uh, at, what, which casino are we going by this week, Vince? We're at, we're at the Westgate we're at the West Super Gate? Bowl okay. right now, which we will be using throughout the entire season. Okay, so we're at the Westgate. Pitt's five-and-a-half – uh, does that line tell you that they they the odds makers think it's a trap game for the Panthers? It tells me that they're not giving us much respect at all. This game started it at only six and a half, and it's already come down uh, to five and a half. So betters obviously don't have much confidence in us either. Um, I don't know if this is just strictly an overreaction uh, to the to the first game. Uh, and maybe that first game kind of did, you know, uh, give confidence to what all these people and, and criticizers were saying throughout the offseason that, you know, they have a quarterback who's no good. They're replacing all these offensive linemen. You know, they, they couldn't throw the ball at all last year. And that all seems to be true so far. Uh, and, and hopefully we're going to get that turned around. But I think betters are looking at that. And you've got this dangerous Ohio team coming in that that seems to be where the market is. Uh, but I, I just can't see this game being that close. I hope not. <laughs> I, I, I expect, uh, from what I saw, I expect a team that, that to come out and clean up very fixable issues from week one. So I think five and a half is, thank, thank you, Westgate. I think Pitt is better, as a power five school, looked better than any you know group of five school out there. Uh, well, maybe not UCF. We'll see about them, Pam. But I'm liking five and a half. I'm liking Pitt this week. Early game, uh, be damned. Uh, 11 a.m. is not that early, right? Most of these kids are up before then, I hope. I don't know if they're up, but <laughs> well, they will be up. But I think I think Pitt's going to win here. I think um, 
I think they're going to come out with a more balanced attack. I really do. And maybe even just kill some clock and hold on to the ball a little longer. I I agree with you. I think the offense is really going to bounce back this week. One thing that does have me just a slight concern on the defense is, you know, Frank Solich said uh, earlier this week that, you know, he, he knows this, uh, um, Narduzzi defense very well. And so he knows how to attack it. And I hope that does not give our, our defense fits. I, I would hope our, our superior talent would be able to overcome that. I, th- I think I saw the superior talent last week. I don't know if there are, you know, offensive lines in the Mac that can handle what I saw last week from the best uh, we were getting from the pit linebackers and defensive line, especially how they were working cohesively when they were attacking Bryce Perkins, who is such a good quarterback, a very efficient quarterback, a smart quarterback, and Pitt got after him. And then we saw glimpses of, I think, stardom out of Paris Ford with, I mean, a beautiful strip on a on a play where a player is extending for a first down. If you have players who can make plays like that, uh, you should be able to go out there and handle uh, a group of five team as a member of the ACC Pitt Panthers. I don't care if they know uh, what you do on defense. If you go out, execute, you're responsible, uh, mind your gaps, contain zone reads, you'll be good to go. I think Pitt wins. They cover. I got them winning 20, let's go 27 to 13. Nope. This, this offense is all right. 27 to 20. I'll give them another, an extra touchdown. Garbage time touchdown, Pam. I got Pitt 31 21. Like really? that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was going to say, uh, yeah, 30, 31 to, we'll say 31 to 17. 31-17, 31-21. I'm the, I'm the low ball on the pit score then. Again, three, two weeks in a row. Again. Yep. Uh, that might be a theme for the year. I'm always going to. I'm always going to be conservative when it comes to Pitt's offense until we start seeing Kenny Pickett hit some deep throws. Maybe I'll start bumping it up. So I got I got twenty seven twenty. That's a cover all around. Pitt, Ohio, eleven a.m. at Heinz Field this week. We're hyped for it. I, I'm always looking for an opportunity to get better, Vince, especially to rectify and, and get bad tastes out of mouths. Uh, but a lot of people. Unfortunately, it's tough for them to get over it. And then they see an 11 a.m. kickoff and already the pit season, at least for Yinzers, I'm sure all the way around town, are, are it's not looking good for them. No, it's not. Uh, you talked about what some of the students were saying earlier, but uh, you know, other people around town uh, are more of the same. Yeah, the students are saying it maybe a, a little less eloquently than what the Yinzers are saying. Another Saturday coming, and the Panthers are playing. Time to find out what the answers are saying. You ready for the game this weekend? And eh, not really. It, it, horrible time. I mean, what Jagoff schedule these games anyway? Oh, I know. I, I don't. I don't even th- think I'm going to be able to. I, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't. I have no idea. My schedule's all messed up. I don't know what I don't know. You know, got people coming over, people wanting to do this and that. I I'll tell you, we got to be better though. That's all I care about. We got to be better. I'm done. I'm telling you, I'll just sit. I'll just sit and wait for the pen season to start. I don't care. 
You're right. You know, it all comes down to just stopping Tom Brady. By the way, what the, when's Pitt play this weekend? But the So that's what the Inzers are saying. Uh, Pitt, Ohio, 11 a.m. Heinz Field this weekend. Got to be there. Huge bounce back game for the Panthers. Uh, but there's also some other huge games around the country that we're going to talk about here, including one, Alan, that I know you are really looking forward to. Oh, college football. And this week is, it might go down as the best week that's, that there's going to be this, this season already. With two of the games on the national slate. But before we go to those, can I just go back to last week where I was just absolutely money on analyzing everything going on in college football from Pitt to to Auburn beating Oregon, Pam? I mean, come on. I, I'm like some kind of college football genius. You would have thought that I lived in the South covering the best college football for three years of my life. I'm just going to remind you, you did say Virginia was going to score 13 points and they ended up with, what, 30 or 31. So I wouldn't go as far as being a genius. You did okay in the national games, but uh, yeah. Barely. Yeah. And it took a miracle by Bo Bo Nix or Oregon would have won. They should have won. They should have been up. 34 nothing and a half. Well, let's just – Narduzzi will back me up. Virginia was given a lot of short fields. Other than that, they would have scored 13 points. So I think I was good there. As far as Auburn, it just, it just means more to them. And you saw it in that game. It meant more – it meant more to everybody on the field compared to Justin Herbert. Does that guy – I mean – he want, comes back. Does he? Is he? I think he's scared to go to the NFL. That's what I think he's going to go. <laughs> uh, you saw it there. Just got outshined by a freshman quarterback. Not even the best freshman quarterback on the Auburn team. And the Tigers go out there and prove the SEC superior to the Pac-12 once again. And I just want to say condolences to both of you on your national champion pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, did Nike pay you? The- did Nike pay you both to make that pick? By the way, I, I wish I Nike sent me some good gear. <laughs> I'd love it. Yeah, n- not looking good for Oregon here. Uh, but we got a few games we got to get to this week. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about first of all the big noon kickoff uh, <laughs> on Fox. Army, uh, a twenty-three point underdog at Michigan right now at the Westgate. I must say, the Westgate Superbook, the best. Sports book to watch football, uh, certainly in Las Vegas, many, any, maybe anywhere in the country. Pam, Better, than Better than Rivers. Better than Rivers. I would say so. We'll Pam, see when the there. new Rivers yeah. area opens up. <laughs> but uh, uh, what do you think about this here? Army, um, at very good season last year. Uh, this year uh, against Rice, a kind of a sluggish opener. Um, th- this is, I, I think. This is obviously the best team uh, Army's going to play all year. If they could somehow get by this Michigan team, they may, you know, they may uh, make it to a, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl. That, that's the kind of uh, team they may have if they're as good as they were the past uh, couple seasons. Uh, what Wait, do you think are, about this we're, game? We're ta- are we talking about Army? I don't know. We are. He's what are, going crazy. Because- what is? What is it? What are you on right now? What's going on they, here? They, they LSU plays LSU plays Texas this week, and you're starting with Army and Michigan. We're and going, Army looks awful against Rice, and Rice is one of the worst football teams. We're in going the in order of order of kickoff time <laughs> on, on the East Coast, and, and Army Army and Michigan the big noon kickoff. Is it West Virginia and Missouri of of 
a better game. Vanderbilt, Purdue, Syracuse, and Maryland. You're talking Army and Michigan. Who? What? Why? There are great. There's big- no way Army's going to make a New Year Six, regardless of. What do you mean? Their schedule's an absolute joke. If they Let's just move on. <laughs> Michigan's going to win. They're favored by 23. Let's move on. If okay. you want to watch the Let- big dude kickoff, watch it, but then switch the channel and watch the, you know, the, the game on ESPN2 or, or ESPN, where it's going to be a lot more And they got rid of Dave Weinstead on that channel. So. Yeah, they replaced him with Urban Meyer, who is just so boring my goodness yeah. if it weren't for reggie bush that show would be unwatchable texas a&m and clemson vince Thank that's you. where we go next that's what we talk and texas a&m had a guard this week who missed a lot of last season because he was injured come out and say they're going to be basically predicted they're going to beat clemson a&m the aggies had a player say we're, we're going to beat him and then jimbo said he shouldn't have said that And now uh, Clemson's got bulletin board material. But I will say Trevor Lawrence looked like maybe like the 11th best quarterback in the nation last week. My Heisman pick, Jalen Hurts, looking like the best in the world. While Trevor Lawrence uh, threw some bad picks against Georgia Tech last week, Pam. Yeah, he did. But I think uh, that he rises to the level of competition. So uh, 17 and a half point favorite for Clemson at home. I think this is going to be... 21, 28 point wow. blowout by Clemson. I think oh, Texas A&M is good, but, crazy. but I, think, I think Clemson 21 to 28, I th- four scores, they get oh. one late. But okay, we can talk all we want about Trevor Lawrence, but Travis Etienne looked amazing. He's going to run through this Texas A&M defense. I don't know about that. You're talking about the team that played them toughest last year. And yeah, you're right. An but, SEC and defense with, and that defense. Yeah, that well, I was going to say the defense for Clemson was way better last year. Yes, way better. Playing so all underclassmen on the defensive thinking, line. You're thinking A and M's going to cover seventeen and a half points? Definitely, definitely. I, de- no, I that's not. And I half believe this Hawker kid, the guard. I'm on. I, I might pick A and M win this game by the end of us talking through it here, Vince. Yeah, well, I'm close to blow them out. A and M's got a good team. That Mond, uh, a good quarterback. They got some good, a lot of good athletes wait, on wait, that offense. Correct you, good fat quarterback. Put on a lot of weight. He's gonna be. He's gonna be able to take any hits Clemson throws his way this week. He may need to. It, 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 even at home, I, I. It seems a little suspicious that this line is so high at, at seventeen and a half. That it, it it tells me that you know somebody knows something about this game and, and they think that Clemson's going to just absolutely blast them. Uh, so uh, conventional wisdom would have you taking Texas A and M uh, at this high number, but I'm going to pick Clemson. I'll take A uh, and M when it comes to the points. And oh man, it's so early in the week. I don't want to have to make it my upset special, but. I would. I'm picking Clemson to win, but I will not be surprised at all if A and M is the one to do them in. I mean, they they handled tech, uh, uh, you know, a small Texas State school last week easily. Uh, they didn't. They didn't give up a touchdown <laughs> until garbage time. A and M base, so they basically shut them out. So the defense looks ready. A defense that doesn't have a Miles Garrett type, but it is uh, a defense full of capable recruits. High-caliber high recruits. That is – I can't believe any 
any mid-level to upper-tier SEC school being favored or dogs by 17 on the road to me is insanity. This is crazy. That's how good Clemson is. I'm, yeah. I'm, I cannot wait until this game is over. Clemson blows them out, and I will be texting you. I told you so. ETN I'm, has I'm picking two hundred eighty yards. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there in the universe. <laughs> hey, A&M wins. Hey, you're the you're the college football guru, uh, apparently. So, who do you have, LSU or Texas, in the last big game of the weekend? Oh, the, the, the big game of the year. This is it. This is oh everything. This is He's live every day. This is what it's all about. Coach O versus Matthew McConaughey. This is what sports all right, all right. are all about. And this is the big game for all of America. ABC Saturday, Saturday night. night. And here we go. LSU Tigers number six. Texas is back number nine. Uh, LSU. Uh, Joe Burrow looking so efficient. And Sam Ellinger is a, sl- a gunslinger, but you can't sling gun against that LSU secondary. Vince Tigers all the way. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, if you're going to be picking LSU this week, you got to give us it, how you think they would win, as Coach O would say it. What a great uh, Tiger. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm picking LSU to win this game, uh, uh, mainly because, you know, Texas, you know, outside of Ellinger, you know, they just are—they're just not mature enough. I, I think on the surrounding team to go up against these, you know, these these supreme athletes at LSU, and that's why I'm going to pick the Tigers. LSU, all a bunch of players that have played in games bigger than this on the yeah. road, and they've been they've been woodshedded in games like this against Alabama in particular. But they've come out and they've won when they shouldn't have. Uh, a lot of these guys have that experience playing in games against teams like Auburn and A&M. So, you know, the experience is a huge factor here. But if you want to talk about how, how Coach O would do it, he would just run down his whole roster. You got Joe Burrow at quarterback. We got Miles Brennan behind him. Clyde edwards at running back. We got Lenard, Chris Curry behind him. And then he would just run down his entire roster and tell you that's why they're going to win. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you that LSU's going to win because – uh, they just got all the dudes from Christian Fulton at corner, Grant Delpit at, at safety. Yeah. Going to be rough for Sam Ellinger yeah. uh, when it comes to playing the, the position of quarterback, where Joe Burrow is going to be facing so, some good players on the Texas side, but I think is going to have a lot more opportunities to be efficient and not be asked to do as much as Sam Ellinger was going to have to do. I'm taking LSU too. Joe Burrow looked really good. Uh, LSU showed some stuff last week. Um, new look offense as well. So I'm definitely picking LSU in this one. Yeah, this is the big week where LSU's new look offense gets their uh, their big test. Uh, Pam, this is what they talk about every year. LSU's offense is finally going to look modern and not like it's from 1958. <laughs> uh, and they're going against the team f- full full of athletic linebackers in Texas. Uh, and you know, I, I'm interested to see, uh, how, how they fare against that, that three per that three man front. Uh, but it's, it's going to be fun because I think that this is a good matchup for the new look LSU offense. I think this is a, a Texas defense that's not uh, equipped to handle the kind of, uh, athletes, like you said, Vince LSU has on the outside on offense. And LSU may not even have to score that many points. I mean, with how good their defense is and, you know, if, if Texas gets under the gun here, I'm not sure how they're going to recover, especially you got uh, number 18, your guy, Caleb on chase on, uh, 
you know, he's he's calling out Sam Ellinger, saying he's coming after him this week. Uh, so it, I, this is just too much for Texas. I, I'm kind of surprised that, that that the line's only five points. I mean, Texas played Louisiana Tech last week, gave up a whole 14 points to them. So that obviously they they don't have the defense, Pam, to handle Joe Burrow. Giving up 14 to Louisiana Tech, you translate that to LSU. I think LSU might score 48 in this one. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no? I don't. No, not at all. I think uh, Texas might have been looking ahead a little bit to this one uh, against uh, Law Tech this past week. So I I think it's going to be more like a 31-21 type of game. Oh, it's going to be an awesome game under the lights. I'm hoping it's 48-45 LSU. Uh, you know, they do have good players. It's not a big 12 game. Yeah. <laughs> This well, LSU was in a seventy-point game last week, last year. So I, I they could put <laughs> seven it overtimes. The game was five, like ten hours long. They had four. Did they have forty when it ended in regulation? Though, so they they put LSU's up. not giving up forty points this week. Yeah, probably not. Uh, who knows? Texas has some good players on defense too. That maybe we'll be surprised, and they both score under thirty. That's possible. Either way, LSU wins. Uh, go Tigers. What a great tiger. And Coach O uh, will be undefeated after two weeks. This is the best the best home-and-home home going right now. First one uh, tech in, in Austin. That, we didn't even speak on it, Texas being the home team at all, Pam. You don't think there's any advantage there? Uh, no. McConaughey <laughs> will be on the sidelines, and they'll show him on the big screen. But I think LSU plays – at Alabama every other year. They play tough road games. I think they're going to go in with no fear. Yeah, also, uh, I could tell you from experience, uh, getting from Baton Rouge to Austin, not that long of a drive, especially if you're riding in a, in, in a party tailgate bus the way those Tiger fans uh, <laughs> roll. So that's going to be the place to be on planet Earth, Austin, Texas, this weekend. Is that where game day's at? This week it Vince, is first time be. in ten years coming to Austin. First, oh wow, first time that wasn't Vince Young era, was it? No, that was after Vince. Uh, Young. Uh, yeah, it would have been Colt McCoy. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, those are our. Uh, that's college football this week. It's going to be a great weekend, and Pitt starts it all off against Ohio. Pam, eleven a.m., which is uh, I'm I'm liking. I'm, it brings me back to. Uh, Living uh, on the West Coast, waking up and watching football at nine sometimes. Try doing that. Yeah, I'm a, yeah I think it's a good way to kick off the day, and uh, then you can watch all these other great games as the day goes on. Yeah, You're, pro- you're going to miss that Army-Michigan game. <laughs> yeah, the big I'll, noon kickoff. The big, the big noon kickoff's on during the pit game, Vince. You won't even be able to watch it. I know. That. We're going to miss it. We're yeah. going to miss it. We're not missing LSU in Texas, are we? No. No, not at all. Uh, might have to watch that at, at the Rivers. I don't think we can make it to the West Gate by the end of the day. Uh, not unless you got a private jet. I do not. I do not. But I have uh, hopes for Pitt against Ohio this week. Let us know what you got for predictions. Show drops every single Thursday, so you got some time to get them to us at H2P Show on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I guess anything else left to say but hail to Pitt, Pam? Nope, hail to pit. Hail to pit. How do you like me now?